0: Oh God, speak to me today and speak through me today that you may speak through all of us in the week to come. Words that are pleasing unto your sight and good and honorable and life-giving to others. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, my whole life I've heard... The claim before, but I've had a hard time really truly believing it. You know the old nursery rhyme, English nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Do you believe that? No. I understand the intent is to acknowledge violence physically, but it does not acknowledge the verbal violence that comes about from our mouths. You know, I was thinking this last week about uh, the power of words in our lives, and and on the, the good side, the life-giving side, are those words that we've all hopefully heard at some point in our lives, or at least read from, from God from the scriptures of, I love you. Aren't those beautiful words? We may take them for granted, but they are life-giving. You take a young couple who's who's looking for someone to, to commit to spend their life with and, and all the whole world is ahead of them and great, great joy and anticipation and they just want someone to spend it with. And, and they date and they find that, that other person they really like and when they hear those words spoken to them, I love you. It completely changes everything. Our son lives a far, long away uh, distance from us now. And we have a weekly conversation with him by phone and, and we're very intentional on our phone call every week to say, son, don't forget that we love you. He's far away from home in a strange place. He's doing a new thing, but, but to hear those words anchor him back home, I love you, are uplifting and powerful, good words. But then there's the more harmful side of words a buddy of mine that I grew up with, really my best friend growing up. We went to school together, and um, he graduated at the top of the class. We did everything together, and I was on the winning end of that when it came to studying because, well, I won't tell you where I was in the ranking of class, but, but he pulled me along. He helped me out in many a pinch. We were in youth group together. We were in scouts together. Uh, we played baseball some together. David um, is a great guy, but his dad never really uplifted him with his words. In fact, I remember him telling me several times, several times, growing up, and you could just see the life drain out of him when he would tell me that his father said, son, you're the biggest disappointment that a father could ever have. David had great potential in life, and It could have gone great places, but I I believe that those words he heard from someone he really needed uplifting and encouraging from set his trajectory and his life in a different direction. The book of James says that our small little mouths and tongues can pack a powerful punch. And it gives three quick illustrations that I think help us to Better understand the words that we speak. It speaks of, first of all, uh, horses, which back in biblical times were really the, the workhorse, if you will, the powerhouse of getting things done. To travel from one place to another by land, or, or to, to get a field plowed, or move something heavy. It was a horse, and the power of it needed in order to make that happen. And James is saying that very powerful force, if it's not controlled, if its mouth does not have a bridle in it, can do great damage or can be a complete waste if it is not controlled. James uses the illustration of ships, which back then was the the way to conduct commerce, to transport great goods across the sea and to travel for people. What a a tremendous thing of wealth and possibility that was in that day. And yet he said, your tongue is kind of like a rudder on a ship that if it is not used correctly, it can lead to disaster, complete and total loss of, of goods and wealth and, and even human life as well. He completes this, this trilogy, if you will, of comparisons of the power of our tongues by talking about fire and, and the spark, he says, that our words can be. And you know fire in that day and age. If you wanted to eat, if you wanted to cook and survive, you had to have fire, essential, vital for living. And yet, yet uncontrolled could spread out of control and go and, and destroy complete towns, it could. And so James says your words can be weapons if not kept in check. And I want us to hear that today. Isn't it uh, ironic that in life, or at least in American life, you have to have a license to be able to drive, right? Yes, we have a couple of our youth that recently have gotten their driver's license. And that's because cars moving at a high rate of speed are are dangerous projectiles, or can be, Right? You have to have a license to own a gun as well because you can do great damage and cause great harm and death with with bullets that are shot. But there is no license required for, for the mouth that we have, and all of us have one. And we need to be careful not to allow them to become cannons to injure, hurt, and damage those that are around us. A few guidelines that James gives us to stay out of trouble with your mouth All right, this is practical stuff today how to stay out of trouble with your mouth and the first of those is is to understand that you control what it is that you say no one else controls that now I didn't think that I was going to be able to get through the sermon series on words without mentioning our president and his Twitter yeah Our president, Donald Trump, tweets his thoughts out of his mind and they go out into, well, uh, the world all around and his comments and his thoughts are projected. He uses that well politically and that's a good thing, but he is the one, apparently, who controls what it is that he says to the world through his phone. That's true for you and me. The words that come out of our mouths, the things we post on social media, The things that we associate ourselves with are our choice, and our choice alone. James writes and says that you are the the cowboy of your horse. You are the captain of your ship. You are the firefighter of the fires that you start, and you need to understand that it is you that controls your words. And so we should do that. We should do that. Jenny and I, when we first got married, lived in Asheville, North Carolina, in a basement apartment, and um, we had some neighbors that lived upstairs, and they had a teenage son. I don't remember his name, but he would go on verbal rants of rage, sometimes late at night, and we would hear it straight through the floor, everything that this kid would say. It, It was kind of like living a reality TV show, if you want to know the truth. But he would say awful and terrible things to his parents. He would curse in long strings. And Jenny and I thought, my God, what kind of parents are they that they can't control this kid? And why is he treating them that way? And we found out soon that, that he had something, an illness called Tourette's syndrome. Have you ever heard of Tourette's before? Literally, you cannot control the thoughts that are coming from your brain before they escape in your mouth out into our words. Now, I know you're probably thinking that there are some folks you know, or maybe you have Tourette's Syndrome. You will know if you have Tourette's Syndrome. It's a serious issue. But we all have control issues with our words, and we alone are responsible. All of us have regretted things that we have said, including myself, just ask my family. And we need to realize that, that it's up to us to keep that from happening. Sometimes I think we don't understand fully the damage of our words. It's kind of like when we dress someone down or we degrade someone or we call them an ugly name or, or we try to use little jabs, if you will, to, to get our way with them. It's kind of like punching someone in the face. I hope you've never done that before. Um, but imagine if I punched you in the face and your nose started bleeding. Um, you would see the evidence of the damage and the hurt and the pain that it caused, right? You would very, very clearly. That's not the case with words. And yet, yet they can equally undo someone and cause tremendous pain. Well... A lot of times we try to make up for the things that we say that are wrong or bad by, by what? Speaking more words after that, trying to explain ourselves, even starting to blame the person for making um, us respond that way. No, no, it's on you. It may make us feel guilty and bad, but maybe we need to feel guilty and bad that the words that we say that are hurtful and harmful to others are not pleasing to God. And they are not edifying of the mouth that God has given us. Another way to to stay out of trouble with your mouth that James addresses is taking responsibility for the words that we've spoken. And that means, plain and simple, helping uh, us to acknowledge and address the words that we've said that cause harm. He says in the very beginning, verse 2, "...we all stumble in many ways." Anyone who is never at fault, and what they say is quite perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. I like that James acknowledges that all of us fall short of perfection with our words. Do we take responsibility for them, though? Are we willing to fix and address the hurt that we've caused? There have been many reputations that have been destroyed by people that simply jump in and join in in gossip. Or God forbid if someone would start a bit of gossip to hurt someone that they don't like. In our fits of outrage, or, or maybe just because someone disagrees with the way we see things, we, we think that they are unworthy of respect and honor, and, and so we say words that knock them down. Trust in family dynamics... And in relationships that really matter in life, can be can be greatly and tremendously damaged in such a way because of the words that are spoken that pile up over time. I remember in the first church that I served, a couple came to visit me, set up an appointment in the office. They were having some struggles in their marriage, and so they came and we sat down and we talked for two or three sessions and just talked about what was going on, and well, quite honestly, they would just have a war of words, and it would escalate, and, and their kids would get all upset because they were young and small, and, and then it would take weeks for the dust to settle at their house after that war of words and that explosion of, of degrading comments towards one another ceased, but, you know, that's how battle scenes are, right? After, after the fighting is done, you, you can see all of the pock marks, the bullet holes in the walls, and you can see that the landscape never looks again quite like it did before when an explosion happens like that that just kind of levels everything. That's the way that words can be in, in the home. The couple um, tried to get and come to terms with what it was that was causing that and his wife eventually pointed out you know it's it's when you are drinking most of all that that your words escalate and things seem to get more and more out of control now it wasn't a simple situation as as marital troubles ever are of one person being right and the other person being wrong but but lo and behold they they realized that the words that they were exposing their kids to and hurling at one another, were causing long-term, irreputable damage for their lives. And eventually the guy sought help and went and found a way to put aside the, the desire he had to drink in such a way that changed the whole dynamic of their home, and they found healing as a result of it. I think in taking responsibility and not blaming our problems And our words on other people is essential for us as mature people, especially as followers of Christ. But to get the help that we need to keep that from happening anymore, to seek out someone or something to help us put aside those things that trip us up and cause us to use our words as projectiles to damage others is on us and important for us to do all right the last thing final thing that james mentions here and that's practical for us in keeping out of trouble with our mouth is to stop and think before we speak can you say that with me stop and think before i speak yes there's an old james taylor song Um, If you are a true fan, it was from his Dad Loves His Work album in 1981 called That Lonesome Road. And James Taylor, in this beautiful a cappella sign, sings a song of sadness about words that he has spoken that took something very precious and important to him. The lyrics are uh, short and sweet, uh, poignant too. And they go, walk down that lonesome road all by yourself. Don't turn your head and look back over your shoulder and only stop to rest yourself when the silver moon is shining high above the trees. If I had only stopped and listened once or twice, if I had closed my mouth and opened my eyes, if I had cooled my head and warmed my heart, I'd not be on this lonesome road tonight. James reminds us and tells us to stop and think before we speak. Realize the power and the consequences before we just let it all out. Maybe you're not a a filtered word person. Do you know what I mean by that? I'm not talking about the Tourette's syndrome that I started uh, in the illustration with. But some people just think out loud. It's kind of like just opening up their head and stepping into their brain and you get to hear everything they're thinking because it goes straight from the brain out of the mouth. There's no filter involved. And James says, whether it's a bridle in your mouth or a rudder for your, your, um, your words that are coming out, use a filter, stop and think about what you're going to say and how it's going to sound on the other end. I know that we live in a time where people get especially offended. And sometimes we use that as an excuse to just say whatever we want and disregard or ignore the consequences of that. No, James says stop and, and think before you speak. And he references this idea of living water versus, versus salty water. Did you get that? He ends with that illustration. And in the Middle East, I learned this, Jenny and I did, when we went this past year, about a year ago now, that there are two types of water identified in the Holy Land. This is back in biblical times 2,000 years ago, before there was great public works that would deliver fresh and pure drinking water to people wherever they lived. You would come upon a spring or an oasis or whatever the case would be, and that water would either be life-giving to you because it would provide the, the quenching of the thirst and the hydration you needed, or if it were putrid, it would be called dead water because it could have the opposite effect upon you. It was very important for them to distinguish when they came upon water, is this living water or is this dead water, they would call it. Salty water or impure water. And James writes and says that you need to be drinking from living water. You need to let living water come out of your mouth and not dead water. Consider the sources, what he's saying, of where it is that you tap into because that will determine the type of words that come out of your mouth. I talked about the last two weeks and I think I probably will every week until we're done with this series that the condition of the heart really has to do with the words that come out of our mouth and we are beckoned, challenged again and again to say go deeper with God, grow in your faith and his grace and his love will come out of you in ways that only he can produce that kind of fruit. We're not talking about a, just a system of of word management, or controlling each and everything that we say because otherwise we would not be free to live, but simply to say that that if we allow God to dwell and live in our hearts, then we will bear fruit that is worthy of Him, more uplifting of others and less destructive than the words that we can throw out and hurt others with so badly. Let's pray together and we'll close. God, it's through your holy word today that we are reminded of the devastating effects that our words can have. Lord, we're all guilty. None of us are perfect, though we may long to be. Lord, help us to see where we have a problem in our lives. And help us to to be guarded about the words that we say or the names that we speak of others in, of the information that we pass along and share. God, in our homes and, and in our relationships at work and at school and those that really matter, help us. Help us to remember that it is you that is to speak through us and not just what comes out of our heads. Lord, help us to, to filter and make pure and pleasing all that is said that we may do your will And reflect your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.